The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Rosh Hashanah. Masechet Rosh Hashanah has been sponsored by Mr. Soli and Cheryl Mizrahi. Hashem Alehem Yihyu for the Hatzlacha of both of their families, for Bezat Hashem, health, happiness, Rab continued success, and of course, uh, much nachat and uh, pleasure from their children. Hiratzon, in the zechut of their dedication to the Masechet Rosh Hashanah, they will be zocher for good judgment, they will be zocher for good beracha and mazal in all their endeavors. Amen. Amen. Zayin. Today's daf is being studied. Eliyahu Hayim ben Shafi'a Sofia. En narefana lo, en narefana lo, en narefana lo. Fata nefesh ufata guf, ufata kirobalabo vechen yerasom venomar. Amen. Today's daf is being studied. The Elun Shmat Abraham ben Esther. Ruwa Hashem tanihinu began Eden. Amen. We begin today's daf on Ted Zayin on the Mishnah on the top line. And the Mishnah says, Be'arba'a pirakim ha'olam nidon. There are four times a year that the world is judged. Be'pesach, on Pesach, ala The world is judged regarding the wheat. Ba'atzeret, on Shavuot, al perot ha'ilan. The world is judged regarding the fruit supply. Berosh Hashanah, which is Aleph Tishri, called Ba'e Olam Ovrim Lefanav Kivnei Marom. All the people of the world pass in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like Benem Maron. We will wait for the Gemara to explain that terminology, Benem Maron. Shene Emar, and this is based on a Pasuk, Yotzer Yachad Libam, the one that creates together their hearts, Hamevin El Kol Ma'asehem, the one that understands all their deeds. Again, we will wait for the Gemara to explain the relevance of this Pasuk. Ubehag and on Sukkot Nidunin Alamayim. The world is judged regarding the water. So let's review the four times a year. You have Pesach, that's when the world is judged regarding wheat. Shavuot is fruit. Rosh Hashanah, Aleph Tishri is human beings are judged for their deeds. And on Sukkot, the world is judged for water. The top Tosafot raises a question. Tosafot quotes Gemara and Berachot on Daf Yudchet. The story over there of a Hasid, that his wife was needling him, and it was of Rosh Hashanah, and that night he left the house and he went and slept in the cemetery. And he heard spirits talking to each other, and he heard that they were discussing that anybody that plants in the first quarter of the year, the first rainy season of the year, there's going to be uh, damage to it. And therefore he knew exactly not to plant, he knew exactly when to plant his crops. It's that the judgment for wheat was decided on Rosh Hashanah. So Tosfot says, what do you mean from here it's Mashma, the judgment is on Pesach. But over there it's Mashma was on Rosh Hashanah, because they were discussing exactly what's going to be. So Tosfot says, one answer, V'shem me b'shamayim b'rosh Hashanah yu maskirin din anigzar b'pesach. 
could be that on that Mulshashana they were discussing the judgment that was made on the previous Pesach. So really the wheat was judged on Pesach. But he heard them discussing it on Rosh Hashanah. In Amit, Osfot offers another answer. Kerbi Yehuda, the Amara, kol nidunim be Rosh Hashanah, v'gzardin be Pesach ala Tevuah. Could be his following opinion that says, really, everything is judged on Rosh Hashanah, even the wheat. However, the final judgment is not until Pesach. So there's a difference between the initial judgment and final judgment. So it could be our Mishnah saying that the initial judgment is on Pesach, but the final judgment is on Rosh Hashanah. And that's what they, that uh, fellow in Hasid heard in the cemetery that night. In any event, comes the Gemara and says, Hey, Tebu'ah, which wheat? When you tell me on Pesach, the world is being judged for its wheat. Which wheat? If you're telling me that all the wheat that's in the field already, or the, the wheat that has grown already and is in the field, and it's just being uh, prepared, you're waiting to cut it. So it's that wheat that's judged. So the Kabbalah says, Kolhani all the events that happened to this wheat until that point. When was it judged? Which means all the stuff that happened uh, before uh, the wheat reached this stage. Which is, you're only telling me that on Pesach, they're judging what's going to be with the wheat from when it's finished, or almost finished its growth, until the cutting. The wheat that's in the field is being judged. Yeah, but all the stuff that happened to that wheat, before it got to that stage. Oh, when was it judged? So the Gemara says, fine. The judgment on Pesach is for the future wheat that is going to be planted. Which means they used to plant the wheat in Hezvan. So on Pesach, they're already judging the future crop. I mean, the crop is not going to be planted until, until Hezvan. So the judgment is on Pesach. So you're getting it from the beginning. From the beginning of the planting, already is judged from the Pesach before. Then the Gemara asks on that, You mean to say, The Hadinam Middina. That the wheat is only judged once. There's only one judgment for every crop. Ve'atanya, we have a braita tivuah. You have wheat she'ira ba keri o ones, which means a mikre happened, an event. Whenever the Gemara uses the word keri, it means an event that was minashamayim. Something happened minashamayim. For example, blithe or wind blast, something like that. That's from. God, act of God that affects the wheat or honest. Honest is something that is done by human beings. For example, let's say an army came and trampled the wheat. That's the way the Bach understands. So therefore, again, something, an act of God happened to it, or honest, or an act of man. If it happened before Pesach, Nidonit l'sha'avan. Then we say that that uh, event was judged on the previous Pesach. Le'achara Pesach, but if the event happened after Pesach, Nidonit le'haba. So then we say it happened on the Pesach right before. So which means, if let's say something happened to the wheat... A kid, you are an honest act of God or act of uh, human being. Something happened to destroy the wheat. So let's say it's right before Pesach. Let's give an example. It happens in Adar. Right a month before Pesach. 
So we say that that thing that happened to the wheat really was judged a year before, the Pesach before. Now, let's say it happened right after Pesach. For example, Pesach is 15th of Nisan. In the beginning of Iyar, this happened. So then we say it, the judgment was right, the Pesach right before, meaning a month before. So what do you see in this Braita? That there are different stages that the wheat is judged. Stuff that happens right after, stuff that happens before the coming Pesach is actually judged to the Pesach before. Stuff that happens after the Pesach is judged to the previous Pesach, which means the Pesach which was just a few, uh, a few months before. So, comes the, and the Brayta continues. Adam, similarly, a human being, a person, honest, an event happened, an act of God happened to him. For example, somebody got sick, or all this, or an act of human beings, something that happened to him. Call them Yom Kippurim, if it happens to him before Kippur, let's say it happens to him uh, uh, in Elul, something happens to the guy, Nidon the Sha'avar. Then already you should know that was judged from last Kippur. Lachar Yom Kippurim, if something happens right after Kippur, Nidon the Habba. That means it happened on the, uh, the close Yom Kippur, the Yom Kippur that just passed. So you see what? Again, there's two judgments for the wheat. There's the judgment that happens from the Pesach, the previous Pesach, a year before, or the closer Pesach, uh, that, that, that just passed. So actually, the time is only one judgment. So, Really, there are two times of judgment. The first judgment is on the first Pesach, for what's going to happen until... The next Pesach, and then on Pesach again, there is a, another judgment, what's going to happen to the wheat at that point. So there are indeed two judgments. Amar so Abaye comes along and says, actually the Bach adds the word, The wheat is judged twice a year. Amar Abaye says, So now a person is going to plant. And he sees that he's having success on the afla. What is the afla? That she says the wheat or the spelt. Now these items are planted in Hejvan, and they're a late crop. They really don't grow that fast. So if a person plants in Hejvan the wheat and the spelt, and what he sees that it's successful, he sees that it's growing nicely, he sees that it's ripening quickly, likdim vilizra harfa. So he should preempt, he should go quickly and plant the harfa, the crop that ripens earlier, which means the wheat, the barley, for example, ripens very quickly. And therefore they plant it usually later in the season, because it ripens very fast. They plant it usually in Shvat or Adar. So the point is that once already you see that the crop that you planted early is successful, so that's an indication that you know that the judgment for the crop that year in Shamayim must have been a good judgment. So therefore, the Gebara says, if you see the wheat crop that you planted early succeed, right away go plant the barley, because you want to get in to that good judgment. By the time the wheat gets judged again, the next Pesach, already it'll be grown already. So therefore, basically they're telling you, now you could plant Play the, uh, the, the judgment. And now that you know, let's say that you're judged on the first Pesach. Good. So now the following Hajvan, you start to plant your wheat. And you start seeing you're having a lot of success. 
So that's an indication that on the previous Pesach, there was a good judgment for the wheat. So therefore they're telling you, plant right away the barley as well. Because you want it to grow. Because by, by, by the time it grows, you'll have success, obviously, because you were judged good on that last Pesach. By the time the next Pesach comes along, so already the judgment... The wheat and the barley will be grown already, so therefore you're really riding the good judgment of the previous Pesach. So they're just telling you, if you see the wheat succeed, right away go and plant barley uh, as well, so you'll have success. So, so you'll know you'll have success with that as well. But as she says, The wheat and the bar and the spelt, they plant They don't ripen that fast. Go right away and plant the barley. It, it ripens quickly. Usually plant Since the early crop is succeeding, must be you got a good judgment on the previous Pesach. So right away, quickly plant in the second season of rain, in order so before the judgment of the next Pesach comes, once already it starts to grow, the odds are it's not going to get destroyed. Usually the wheat that's not grown yet, has a, or the barley that doesn't grow yet, has a bigger chance to be destroyed. So therefore you want to get it to be partly grown before the next judgment, in order that you can take advantage and have success. Comes again what says, Mani Matnitin, who's the author of our Mishnah? Lord Abi Meir, Lord Abi Yehuda, Lord Abi Yosef, Lord Abi Natan. Neither of any of these rabbis. Why? The Tanya, we have a Braita. The Braita is going to tell us the different times of judgment according to the different rabbis. The first opinion, Everything and everybody is judged on Rosh Hashanah. And the final judgment is sealed on Yom Kippur. So obviously that's not our Mishnah. Because Amishnah said, Pesach is for Tevu'ah, Shavuot is for Perot, Hag, Sukkot is for water. Here, the Bimi means, no, everything is judged on Rosh Hashanah, and everything is sealed on Yom Kippur. Next opinion, the Bimi means, Kol Nidunim Rosh Hashanah, Vigzar Din Shilayim, Nechtam, Kol Echad Ve'echad Bezman, no. The Bimi says, no. Everything is judged initially on Rosh Hashanah, but the final judgment is not made until each... Each respective time. The Pesach ala Tevuah. Pesach is the wheat. Atzeret ala Perot ha'ilan. Shavuot is the fruit. Bechag nidonin ala Mayim. On Sukkot, the judgment is for water. The Adam nidon berosh Hashanah. And man is judged on Rosh Hashanah u'gzardin shelo nechtam b'yom kipurim. And his final judgment is kipur. So again, he cannot be the author of our Mishnah. Because our Mishnah says that man is judged on Rosh Hashanah does not tell us about the Xardin of Yom Kippur so therefore he cannot be the author the Omer Adam Nidon Bechol Yom Biyose says man is judged every single day so Pasuk in Iyob that God remembers us so to speak in judgment every Boker every morning Rabbi Natan Omer Adam Nidon Bechol Sha'a Rabbi Natan says man is actually judged every 
hour, every moment, the same pasuk in Yov, that he's judged every moment. So therefore you see, none of these tanaim could be the author of Al-Mishnah. So the Gemara gives an option. Maybe I'll tell you that the author is really Rabbi Yehuda. And maybe you'll explain that Al-Mishnah, was discussing the final judgment because he said the Biuda everything is judged on Rosh Hashanah but the final judgment Pesach is wheat Shavuot is fruit Sukkot is water so maybe I can tell you that Al Mishnah is following the Biuda and we were discussing final judgment Gzardin Kemarasa doesn't work Iacher Kashya Adam because you see, he said, Adam is judged on Rosh Hashanah. Now that's not final judgment. If the Mishnah was talking about final judgment, it should have said by Adam, Yom Kippur. Because Yom Kippur is the final judgment according to Rabbi Yehuda. So Kavzi Gebarat says, Amar Haitana Debe Rabbi Ishmaeli. Our Mishnah is following Rabbi Ishmael's opinion. Detana Debe Rabbi Ishmael. Ebraita Rabbi Ishmael. Barbaa Peraki Ma'olam Nidon. The world is judged four times. Bepesach ala Tevu'ah. And his final judgment is on Yom Kippur. And that which our Mishnah was discussing, So our Mishnah was actually discussing initial judgment. Which means, it was discussing... Pesach, which the world is initially judged for the wheat. And Shavuot is for the Perot, and for Hag is the water. And Adam is Rosh Hashanah, and the Gzardin Shelo is on Yom Kippur. So our Mishnah was discussing Tehillah Din. But the Gzardin of Adam is really on Yom Kippur. So therefore, we can say the Mishnah is following Rabbi Ishmael. Again, that says the world is judged at Pesach, at Tevu'ah, at Sedef, at Perot, Ilan. Perot, Ilan, Hag is for water. Good, that's exactly what our Mishnah said. And Adam is judged on Rosh Hashanah and his Gzardin, his final judgment is Kippur. And I can say that our Mishnah was discussing Tehillat Din. And therefore, it said Rosh Hashanah, but in Ahmed there's a final judgment on Yom Kippur. Comes the Gemara and says, "Amar of Hazda, Ma'it Amad Rabbi Yosef. What's the reason of Rabbi Yosef? Rabbi Yosef says man is judged every day. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? Kedekamar Tameh. We explained this reason. It says the pasuk v'tefkedenu lebekarim that God judges the person, remembers the person." Every morning. This is what we meant to say. What's the reason why he didn't say like Rabbi Natan that says man is judged every moment? Because he learns that pasuk when it says that doesn't mean that God judges a person. The word just means he scrutinizes a person. But not that he judges him every day. So the Kabbalah says if that's the case, Pekidana meh. The word vatifkedenu lebekarim. The word pekida also iyune be'almahi. Only means he scrutinizes, but not that he judges. So we're back to the question. Tabi Yosei, what's your proof that God judges you every day? Elamar of Chazda, Taamed Rabbi Yosei Mehacha. The reason of 
Rabbi says from here, it says, La'asot mishpat abdo, umishpat amo Yisrael devar yom biyomo. The Pasuk says that God does mishpat for his nation Israel, devar yom biyomo, on a daily basis. So that's how he knows that God judges Am Yisrael, the people, man is judged every day. continues, Melech v'sibur, if you have a king, and the nation. The king enters first into judgment. First, God does the judgment of his servant, meaning the king. And then he judges the nation. So the king goes in first. So the What's the reason? It's not it's to make the king wait. The king has to sit outside and wait before the people go ahead of him. Wouldn't be derech eretz. So one reason why the king goes first is derech eretz. Before the anger becomes multiplied, which means if the sibud goes in first, so God now gets angry at the people. Because now he sees all the sins. So now the Midatadin is working. Now when the king comes in, he's going to take the wrath of God, and they're going to blame everything on him, and he's going to get punished. So to save the king, so God lets the king get judged first, when there's still the Hamim, and then the rest of the people. So Mekameh Lefush before Haron Af is uh, abundant. Comes the Gemara and says, "Amar of Yosef, Keman Matslina Naidana Aketzire VeAmiri Ayeh." Today, who do we rely on to pray for Ketzire for sick people and Miri Ayeh? Miri Ayeh are the Tamidei Hakamim that because of their learning become weak. So there was a custom used to pray for the Tamidei Hakamim that should have strength. So who do we pray? We pray for these people every day. Who are we relying on to pray every day? So the Kevara says, Keman Kerebi Yosef. It's got to be like Rabbi Yosef. Because Rabbi Yosef is the only one that says we're judged every single day. So since there's a new judgment every day, you could pray for a sick person to get, uh, to, 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 to not to get sick or to get better. Or you could pray for the Tamid Al-Khamim. But according to the other opinions that say the judgment is Rosh Hashanah, finished, everything is signed, sealed, and done by Yerush Hashanah or Kippur. So what are you praying for these people every day? So therefore the only opinion that you could say that we're relying, that we're praying for people who are sick and we're praying for Tamid Al-Khamim, it can only be the Biyosin that says it's a daily judgment. But then says, or we can say we can even say it's going like the opinion of the rabbis that say the judgment is on Rosh Hashanah and Kippur Oh, so I can just pray every day. Everything is sealed already. It's good for a person to pray before the final judgment. For that matter, even after the judgment. So therefore, even Achimim agreed that even though it's sealed on Yom Kippur, there is ability to pray after the judgment in order to overturn it. So therefore, we can rely, we rely on that opinion. Now the Tosafot comes along and says, according to the first answer of the Gemara, the first answer is we're only praying for the Biyoseh. According to the Biyoseh. Because the Biyoseh says we're judged every day, so we're praying only according to that opinion. So he says, what do you mean? According to the first answer of the Gemara, Hachemim Swudahod, you don't pray? What do you mean? We have a text of the Amidah, Tosafot says. Don't we say every day in the Amidah, Rifayinu? I didn't know that we have a text of the Amidah that we pray every single day. So the Rabbi Rotam says a big chedush. Tosfot wants to say like this, that on Rosh Hashanah, according to the rabbis, a person is judged, let's say, that he's going to be sick. 
but they don't judge how long he's going to be sick for, when he's going to get healthy. So therefore, according to Hakamim, of course there's a purpose for the Amidah. When we say the Fa'inu, yeah, we were judged on Nostradamus already that he's going to get sick. That you can't change according to them. But you can decide through your prayers how long you're going to be sick for. That was not determined. Whereas according to the Biyoseh, you're even allowed to pray that he shouldn't get sick. Because since it's a daily judgment, you can even pray that you shouldn't get sick in the first place. So that's uh, the way Rabbeinu Tam understands. Furthermore, for example, you're praying for Panasah. What do you mean, the Panasah or the rain? The rain was decided already. This is correct. But let's say God decided to bring a certain amount of rain. You're praying that that certain amount of rain should be brought at the proper time, where it will be most beneficial. Whereas according to the BUSA, you can pray for the rain initially, because he holds you being judged every day. So they were even according to the Hakamim, in the first answer of the Gemara, there is a purpose to pray the Amidah, because you can decide when the person will get better through your tefillah, affected, and exactly when the rains will come. And some want to say, the second answer of Tosafot is, we pray in plurality, because we're really praying, praying for the Sibur. We're praying for the Sibur. So he wants to say that when it comes to the Sibur, you can even break their Gezar uh, Din that was on Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. So therefore, according to the first answer, there is a purpose to pray the Amidah according to the Hakamim, because for Sibur, the Gezar Din can be broken. Comes the Gemaran continues. What's the reason why God commanded the people to bring the Korban Omer, which is the uh, first wheat that grows, we have to bring it as a Korban on the second day of Pesach. What's the reason for that? Because since Pesach is the time that we're being judged for wheat, Bring in front of me the Omer on Pesach, so I can bless the wheat that's in the field. As if God tells us on Pesach, do a mitzvah with the wheat, in order that I can give it a good judgment. What's the reason why we have to bring the two loaves? of bread on Shavuot, because Shavuot is the time of the fruit, that the fruit are on the tree. Bring for me the two loaves on Shavuot, in order that I can bless the fruit from the tree. So what's the connection between Shavuot and the fruit? Because according to the Halakha, the law is that one cannot eat from the fruit of Bikurim, the new fruit, until he brings Shavuot. So therefore, you bring this down, I'm allowed to eat the Bikurim, like the Pasuk says, and as she quotes, Bikure Ketzir Hittim, that the Bikurim are eaten at the time of Ketzir Hittim, which is Shavuot. So therefore, bring this down there, I mean, if you have a good judgment on the fruit. And as she says, that this is following the opinion as well of Rabbi Yudad that holds, that the Fruit that Adam Arishon ate in Gan Eden from the tree that he wasn't allowed to was Chita. Which means Chita used to be called a fruit. So therefore when we bring the Shte'alechem, that's considered like a peri. And therefore it atones for, or it's a good judgment, brings a good judgment for the fruit of the coming year.
what's the reason why God said that you pour water on the Mizbeach on Sukkot, the Mizbeach on Sukkot, Pour for me water Again, so you'll have a blessing With the rains of the year And on Rosh Hashanah So you'll have a good judgment God says Say in front of you The Pesukim The Amidah that refer to God's kingdom. Zichronot, the Pesukim that talk how God remembers all the deeds of man. Veshofarot, Shofarot, and say the Pesukim as well that talk about the blowing of the Shofar. So the Gemara explains. Malchuyot, the reason why you say Malchuyot, these Pesukim are in the Musaf. The reason why you say the Malchuyot Pesukim, Kedeshitamlichuni Alechem. In order that you'll make my, you'll make me king over you. Zichronot, the pesukim of zichronot, kedeshi alis zichronchem nefanai letova. So I will remember you. God says for the good, which means when you when you read these pesukim that talk about how God remembers everybody, so that'll cause God to remember you. Ubame, and how do you accomplish this? Bashofar, which means both these uh, sections of the Amidah. Malchuyot and Zichronot, as well as the Shofarot Pasuk, should be accompanied with Shofar. Which means we blow the Shofar at each interval of the Amidah, in order that what? That God will hear the Malchuyot, the Shofar, the Zichronot Pasukim, and the Shofarot. So it's almost as if the Shofar is the delivery. That brings the Tefilot up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So therefore, Uba Shofar. How should you say these Pasukim? You should accompany it with the blowing of the Shofar. Why do we blow on Rosh Hashanah with a shofar of a ram? God says, God says, I want you to blow a shofar of a ram specifically. So I can remember the Akedah of Yitzchak, the son of Abraham. And I will consider it as if you yourself did the Akedah, that you bound yourself to the Mizbeach and sacrificed yourself. So therefore, we have the zikhut. So the Mephashim Eskove, why does it have to say, I'll remember the Akedah of Yitzhak ben Avraham? We know Yitzhak, what do you mean Yitzhak ben Avraham? So the Mephashim say, because there's two uh, zikhuyot over here. There's the zikhut of Yitzhak, that he was the Ni'ikad, and there's the zikhut of Avraham, he was the Oked. Which means there's two, two tests over here. The fact that Yitzhak was willing to go on the Mizbaya, and the fact that Avraham was willing to sacrifice his son. So therefore, you get both benefits. God remembers Yitzhak ben Avraham. The Yitzhak factor of the Akedah, the Abraham factor. And therefore God considers as if we were sacrificing ourselves on the Mizbeach. The Amar of Yitzhak, we have another statement of Rabbi Yitzhak. Lama tukhim bi Rosh Hashanah. Why do we blow the Shofar in Rosh Hashanah? So the Gemara, what do you mean? Lama tukhim? Why do we blow the Shofar? Lachmana Amar tukhu. And God says to blow the Shofar. What kind of question is that? Ela lama miri'in. Now why do we blow the Tiru'ah sound? Miri'in? Why do we blow the Tiru'ah sound? Lachmana Amar zikron Tiru'ah. The Torah says zikron Tiru'ah. You have to blow the Tiru'ah sound. What kind of question is that? Ela, the question is like this. Lama tukhinu miri'in kishem yoshvin. Why do we blow some sounds while we're sitting And then we blow some sounds when we're standing Which means, as we know our custom is That the first 30 sounds of the shofar We blow And our custom, for example, is we blow them in a sitting position And then we blow the main 
tikiot of Rosh Hashanah, which are in the Amidav Musaf, that we do in a standing position. So the Bitzchak wants to know, what's the reason why we blow some of the tikiot sitting, and then some of them standing, which is the main tikiot, really the ones in Musaf, the ones that we do standing in the Amidah. So why would we accompany with also the ones that are sitting? What's the purpose? Some sitting, some standing. So the Gemara answers, In order to confuse the Satan. Now how does that confuse the Satan? So that she says, because by blowing the Shofar in the sitting position and standing position shows how much we love the mitzvot. That we want to blow the shofar in all positions, in all ways to fulfill the mitzvah. It shows how much we love the mitzvot. And the fact that we love the mitzvot, that causes the satan, his words to be silenced. She's hibub mitzvah. That's the way that she says. She, top line in Nashi. She lo yastin kishi yishma Yisrael mehabibin et ha-mitzvot. When he hears that Yisrael loved the mitzvot so much, that they do him standing and sitting, mistatemin devarav, his word becomes silenced. That it was fought over here as a different interpretation that he quotes from the Aruch, from the Yerushalmi. Let's look at the second Tosfot in the page. It says in the Pasuk, Tosfot quotes, Bila amavet la netzach. There's going to come a day where death is going to be swallowed forever. There's not going to be any more death. And on that day, that's when the Mashiach comes, they're going to blow the big shofar. And what do you mean death is going to be destroyed? God's going to kill the Satan when Mashiach comes. So it says, When the Satan hears the shofar the first time on Rosh Hashanah, He gets a little confused. When he hears it the second time, Amar Vadai Zeu Shipuradi Hitakab Shofar Gadol says, For sure, this is the Shofar of Mashiach. And what is he worried? He thinks he's not going to get swallowed. Because at the time of the Mashiach, the death is going to be destroyed, meaning the Satan is going to be killed. And he gets all flustered. He has no time to speak prosecution against the Jewish people. So again, the blowing of the Shafar two times, standing and sitting, according to this, causes the Satan to think that it is the Shafar of Mashiach, and therefore he's too busy trying to save himself, and therefore he does not uh, against Israel. We continue on the second line of the Gemara. Any year that they don't blow the Shofar in the beginning of the year, meaning on Rosh Hashanah, Shalom at the end of the year is bad. Because the Satan wasn't confused. So therefore, the, for, for, for whatever reason, the shofar wasn't blown. That Tosfot says, "Mefaresh balchot gedot lav the meklav b'shabeta elad etyalid unsa." She says, "Not talking about a case where Rosh Hashanah fell out on Shabbat." There, the rabbis told us don't blow the shofar, so therefore we don't have to worry. But talking about another reason, for example, the shofar was not blown, so therefore that we should be concerned that if the shofar wasn't blown for another reason. So then we have to be concerned that the satan wasn't confused. Now, according to what we just learned, it could mean that even if you blew the shofar, but you didn't blow it standing and sitting. That's also going to be a problem because, uh, bottom line, the erbub of the satan comes from the fact that we blow the shofar sitting and then standing. So if that wasn't done, so even though you blew the shofar, so therefore the one has to be concerned how the end of the year is going to turn out. The Bishak continues with the statements. Any year that a person acts like a poor man in the beginning of the year, which means, when Israel pray to God on Rosh Hashanah in a very subjugated way, in a humble way, that they pray like the Pasuk says, that they speak in supplication, which means they humble themselves in the beginning, so that at the end they're going to be rich, which at the end of the year is going to be a berakha. So again, that the Jewish people act like 
poor people in their prayers in the beginning of the year. Asheret besofa. There's going to be success at the end. Shneemad mereshit ashana. It says from the beginning of the year. But if you look at the way the word mereshit is spelled, it's spelled without an alif. Normally mereshit is spelled resh alif shin yudaf, but it's spelled mereshit ketiv, which means if in the beginning of the year you act like a rash mereshit ashana, you're like a poor man. Then at the end, you're going to have a good ending, which is the end of the year is going to end up fine. So, the beginning of the year is person is humble, then yes, we anticipate towards the end of the year. We continue the statements of Rabbi Yitzhak. That a person is only judged according to the deeds of that moment. God judges a person what he is at that moment. That God heard the voice of the lad, the way he was there. Now this story is talking about when Yishmael was thrown out of the house of Abraham Abinu, him and Hagar. So they were in the field and now Yishmael was dying of dehydration. He had no nothing to drink. So the angels wanted to kill Yishmael. So God wanted to save Yishmael because Yishmael was praying to him. So the angels came to God and said, What do you mean, Borei Olam? You're going to keep Yishmael alive? His descendants in the future, one day, are going to not supply the Jewish people with water when they're going to be thirsty. Like the Navi tells us the story that when we were leaving, when we were going through Galut, we passed by the Arabian nations, and instead of giving us water to drink, they gave us empty jugs filled with hot air and salty water. So God says, the one that his descendants are not going to supply us with water, you're going to give him water? So God says, I don't judge a person for what he's going to do in the future, what his descendants are going to do in the future. I judge a person what he is now. Now Yishmael is a Sadiq, Ba'ashir Usham, Therefore, God saved his life. So for me, you see that God judges the person on Rosh Hashanah for what he is on that day. That he's penitent and he has a true intent. There are three things if a person involves himself in, it reminds God of his sins. Which means it causes God to open the book of accounting and therefore to be judged. We have a wall that is a dilapidated wall, so to speak. It's leaning actually. It's a leaning wall. Which is when a person walks by a leaning wall, so now God has to make a miracle that the wall doesn't fall on him. So he has to have a zikhut. So that causes God to open up the books and see is the guy worthy for me to make a miracle that the wall shouldn't fall on him so you're putting yourself in a dangerous position so therefore that's a time of judgment so you shouldn't do that the ayun tefillah ayun tefillah means a person prays tefillah with kavana and after he finishes the prayer he says you know what I deserve to be answered my prayer was really a good prayer so God says oh really your prayer is really a good prayer you deserve to be answered let me open the books and see if you deserve to be answered so that awakens judgment as well umoser din al havero that's a person that does not want to take his friend to bed din because he has a, 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 a problem with his friend, let's say. And instead he says, God will judge him. That's Moshe Din al-Havero. So then he says, Yo, you're, you're getting me to be the judge? Well, let me see you first. Are you worthy to bring somebody to, judge, to judgment? So let me open your books. So therefore, that also is not proper. Comes the Gemara and says... The Amar Rabbi... What's that kirsah there? That would be that be Hanan. Call a Moser Din al Havero. Anybody that brings the judgment to God, which means he says God is going to punish this person. 
I'm going to put it in God's hands. God will punish him. And he says, I want God to punish this person for what he did. Instead of taking him to a regular betin, So the person that brings the judgment to God, he gets punished first. But Tomer Sarai Avram. Sarai tells Avram Abinu, Avram, Sarah was angry because after Avram married Hagar, Hagar gave birth right away, or she got pregnant right away, and then Hagar started to mistreat Sarah, as if to tell her that I'm better than you, you were married for so many years, you couldn't have a child from, from Avram, I'm married right away, I had a child. So therefore she started to mistreat. So Hagar, Sarah had claims against Avram. So Sarah said, I'm angry at you. You brought Hagar into the house now, and now she's mistreating me. Uchtiv, and the Pasuk says, and the Pasuk also says what? That she tells Avram, Yishpot Hashem beniu benecha. That she says, God should be the judge between me and you. So she put it in God's hands to see who's right. Uh, what happened as a result that she put the judgment in God's hands it says Avraham went and eulogized Sarah meaning Sarah died before Avraham as a result really Sarah and Avraham were supposed to die at the same time Avraham was supposed to live to 175 years and Sarah was supposed to live to 165 because she was 10 years younger than Avraham they were supposed to die at the same age but instead she died at 127 years which means she died 38 years early because of the fact that she brought her judgment to God. So you see, Moser Din al-Khaderah is not a good thing. You see, Sarah died many years earlier as a result. Four things, there are four things that can break a person's judgment. A person has a bad judgment, the judgment can get ripped up based for these four things. One that gives charity, tzaraka, one that prays, shinui Hashem, changing one's name, v'shinui ma'aseh, changing one's deeds. The Gemara is going to prove this one. Sedaka, dikhti, vustaka, tasil, memavit. Like the Pazuk says, sedaka saves a person from death. Tzaraka, we know praying, dikhti, v'yitzaku el Hashem, batzar lahem, that the people called out to God in their time of need. Umemesukotehem, yotziem, and God redeems them and removes them from their troubles. Shinui Hashem, how do we know the changing of the name? Dikhti, sarai ishtecha. God tells Avram, your wife Sarai, lo tekra et shema Sarai, ki Sarah shema. God changed her name to Sarah, and then what does it say? Uchtiv, uberachti ota, I'm going to bless her, vegam natati mimena lecha ben. The God gave her now a child. Now the, the concept of Shinui Hashem, is not just a magic that you change the name, but the point is that when you change a name, that inspires a person, you're a different person now. You're the, the, the person that sinned, that was somebody else. Now you're a different person, you're starting from scratch again, and therefore we can uh, judge uh, uh, a new judgment. Or for that matter, as if to say in the Shamayim, that the bad judgment was said on this person. That person doesn't exist anymore. Now we have a new name. And therefore it is uh, beneficial to break the judgment. Shinui Ma'aseh, the changing of one's deeds, Dikhtib. It says about the city of Nineveh, Vayara Elohim et God saw their deeds. In the city of Nineveh, there was a judgment that they should all die. It's the book of Yonah that we read on Yom Kippur. So God saw the good deeds. So it was the deeds, the actions, the Shri So God changed his mind, so to speak, and did not destroy the city. Why? Because of their deeds. He did not destroy. And some want to say, where a person changes his place. Which means when a person lives in a certain place and he changes his place, that's also 
an ability that God will rip the judgment up. The logic in that is when a person goes, lives outside his normal habitat, in his normal place, he becomes humbled. Because in the new place, the people don't know him, and he feels a little uh, uh, out of place. So that already, that humility that a person has, is able to cause the judgment to be broken. Right? God told Avram, change your place, leave from where you are. And then what does it say? Then God promises to make Avram the father of a great nation. So you see, they changed his place, and then the Gezardin was broken. Oh, so now the Gebrach says, according to the Bitzchak, you only quoted four. Right? He said that what? There's four things that are Korea Gezardin. How come it doesn't include Shinui Makom? He says, no. The fact that God told Abraham to leave the Eris Israel, it wasn't the Shinui Makom that did it, it was the Zechut of Eris Israel. He told him to go to Eris Israel. So the Zechut of Eris Israel stood for Abraham Abinu, and that's what changed his Mazal. Comes the Gemara and says, "Ba'amar v'itzchak, hayav adam nakbil penera bo baregel." A person has an obligation to visit his rabbi on the holiday. Shnei Emar pasuk says, "This pasuk is referring to the Shunamit. That was a righteous lady, and she was going to see Elisha. Her child uh, was sick, and therefore she went to Elisha to get a blessing." So it says, her husband asks her, Why are you going to the Prophet today? It's not Shabbat, and it's not Shabbat. Implying what? Implying that what? That on Shabbat, you have to go visit your rabbi. So if you have to visit your rabbi on Shabbat, which is a minor holiday, certainly you have to visit your rabbi on the major holidays, on the Galim. So from here we learn what? That it's a mitzvah to visit the rabbi on the holiday. It's an obligation of a person to purify himself in a mikveh before the holiday. Torah says that Jewish people should not touch nivelot. Nivelot is an animal that was not slaughtered properly. It's a carcass and it exudes tumah. So the Torah says their, their carcass do not touch. So the Gebra says... But how do we learn it from the Latin Tegya? What is that teaching me about purifying myself on the holiday? So the Gabbara says, Tanya Namekha have a bright support. So Bnib Latam no Tigao, it says do not touch the carcass of a dead animal. Yachod you Israel Musarim al Magad Evela. What do you mean? Are Jewish people obligated to refrain from Tumah? Only Kwanim are obligated to refrain from Tumah. There's no obligation that a Jewish person should refrain from Tumah. Tamudomat Emorala Kwanim Bene Aaron. God says speak to the Kwanim, the children of Aaron, Bene Aaron Musarim. Only the children of Aaron are commanded against being mitameh themselves, not the children of Israel. So the question then is, what does it mean that Torah is telling me don't touch carcasses? A Jewish person, a non-Quen is allowed to touch a carcass. The Gebra says, When it comes to Tumah, how say the Tumah of a dead person? Kohanim Musarim. Kohen cannot, let's say, go into a house where there's a man, Yisrael in a Musarim. But Yisrael can, which means even when it comes to serious Tumah, Yisrael can metameh himself. Tumah kala, loko sheken, a light Tumah, like this Tumah v'nevelah, although also Yisrael can metameh himself. So what does the Torah mean when it says, Ubin Iblatam no tigao, don't touch a nevelah? So the Gebra says, Elamat tamudavara v'nevelah Iblatam no tigao, baregel. It means on the regal, on the holiday. So from here we learned that what? That yeah, all year long, no problem for a Jewish person to become Tameh. However, on the holiday, the Jew, the, the Israel should refrain himself from coming in contact with Tum'ah. So from here we learn that one should purify himself before the Regal, before the holiday. 
comes the Gemara and continues. Amar of Kuspedai, Amar of Yohanan. Shilosha Sefarim Niftahim Birosh Hashanah. There are three books that are opened up on Rosh Hashanah. Hajj of the Shaim Gimurim. One for the totally wicked. The Hajj of the King Gimurim. One for the totally righteous. The Hajj of Benonim. And one for the mediocre, for the middle people. Sadiqim Gimurim, the totally righteous, Nikhtavim, Nikhtamim, the Altar, Lehaim. They're written immediately, the Altar means immediately for life. I'm not just ready, they're written, inscribed in the Book of Life. Rishaim Gimurim, the total, Rishaim, Nikhtavim, Nikhtamim, the Altar, the Mitah. They're written on Rosh for death. Benonim. However, the middle, the people that are Benonim, that are pending, Tiduim Veomdim. So they pending, Merosh Shanav, Adyom Kipurim until Yom Kippur, Zachu. If they have the zikhut, if God has mercy on them, nikhtavim na'im, on kippur, they're written for life. Lo zakhu, nikhtavim na'mitad, and they are written for death. Amar of Abin, me'ekera, where do we learn this from? Because the Pasuk says there's three levels. One pas- the Pasuk says, Yemahu mesefer hayim, ve'im sadikim al yikatevu. So the Gebaraz Doresh, Yemahu mesefer, they should be erased from the book. Who's erased? Those are the Rishayim, Gemurim. Hayim, the book of life is Yemahu mesefer hayim. The word hayim in the Pasuk says, Zesef Francis Sadikim. That's the book of the Sadikim. And then the, the third part of the Pasuk, Ve'im Sadikim al yikatevu, and they're not going to be written. Who's not written on Rosh Hashanah? The Benunim, because they are pending. So that's one derash. You know, there are three books. Moshe Rabbeinu says, if you're not going to forgive the Jewish people, erase me from the book that you wrote. So, erase me. That's the book of Eshaim, the book of Erasure. Your book, that's the good book. That you wrote. That's referring to the Benonim, the mediocre, the middle, people that are pending. Now, we must uh, just ask us an obvious question over here, that what does it mean that the Sadiqim are judged for life? Many times we see Sadiqim that they don't get life, they die during the course of the year. And the Sha'im for that matter, that are judged immediately for death. So what does that mean? We see that they lived in the course of the year. So explanation is that the judgment is not only for life in this world, but it's also life in the next world. And therefore, when it says that they get mitah, could be yes, they're going to get life in this world in order to get punished in the next world. And the Sadiqim that are judged for life... That means that could be they might get a little punishment in this world, but they'll get ultimate life in the next world. Comes the Gemaran continues. One more point. Tanya. Betchamai Omrim. Betchamai says, Gimel Kitoten Adin. There are three classes on the day of judgment. Now as she says, this is actually referring to the time of judgment that's going to take place, at Tihayat Metim. Which means there's the judgment when a person goes through every year, that's Rosh Hashanah. Then as she says, there's a judgment that happens when the, when the soul is resurrected. Now they judge him if he's worthy to go to Olam Abba or not. 
So that's the judgment he's talking about now. The judgment that's going to take place at the time of the resurrection. Uh, Tosfot also says in the bottom, and he says, even though they were judged already when they died, there's another judgment when you die if you're going to go to Gan Eden or Gainam. But after a person's sentence in Gainam, so they judge him again at the time of the resurrection, is he going to be zochet to the next stage of Olam Haba? So it could be the Gainam wasn't enough. So he's not going to get Olam Haba. Maybe the Gainam was enough. So they can't get Olam Haba. So there's a judgment regarding Olam Haba at the time of so the Gemara says there's three classes: Same classes. Don't get a quick judgment straight to Olam Abba. The Shaim Gemurim, the one that still remains the Shaim Gemurim, that did not get kapara, nechtavim, nechtavim, the Atal Gehinam. They go straight down to Gehinam. That many of the people. Uh, that were sleeping in the Afar are going to get up. Some people are going to go to eternal world. They're going to go down to a Dira'on Olam, to, to, to destruction. Now the middle people, the people that are pending, well, they'll get sent out to Gehinam, however, but they float, they cry in Gehinam, and they float, so to speak, up and they can get saved. So they go to Gainam again for temporary time and then they can come and be saved. I'll bring the third group, Ba'ish, into Fai And I will purge them, I will clean them. Like, like cleaning or, or, or purging the silver from its impurities. And I will uh, clean them like the purification of the gold from its impurities. He's going to call my name, meaning he's going to cry from Gainam. And I'm going to answer Regarding the third group, the Benunim Hana said, Hashem Memitum Haye. God is Memit. He caused the person to die. Um Haye. He brings Tahiyatamitim. Morit Sheol. And after Tahiyatamitim, some people are going to go back to Shol to Gehinam. However, Viyal. But he's going to come up. So that shows us what? That Bore Olam is going to save the Benunim from Gainam. The Pesach says, Verav Chesed, God has an abundance of Chesed. It means, God tips the scales in their favor. Which means the Betelay learns, no. These Benunim that are 50-50, God tilts the scale in their favor, and they don't go to Gainam at all. So that's a machloka between Betelay and Betelay. Do the Benunim go to Gainam? Betelay says they do, but through their prayers they can get out. Betelay says they don't. That through their, uh, the fact that they're 50-50, God is Rav Chesed. He tips the scale to the majority Chesed, and therefore they are saved. And regarding these people, David and Melchizedek said, "Avti kishma Hashem et kol et koli." God, the, the, the person says, "God, I'm happy that you heard my voice." And all that chapter in Tehillim was said how God saves these people. Who are these people? That even though I was I was impoverished, meaning I don't have majority mitzvot, still you saved me. Why? Because Rav God is Rav. I said, in any event, 
you see over here machloket betchemah betedel regarding the benonim, regarding what's going to happen after tivat amitim, and of course this gemara continues, and we will discuss it in the next daf. Baruch Hashem, Amen, Amen.